0: Good morning. Just as an update, uh, I've been gone a few Sundays recently, and I just want to give you an update on uh, how work's been going. I know a lot of you guys have been praying for me and Tori and and the family and um, uh, really have seen the Lord just open a lot of doors. Um, And and, um, the training has been going uh, very well. And uh, so far, I've passed up until this point, and uh, I have a couple more months of training, but then I'll, I'll be all done, uh, Lord willing, in the, at the end of the holidays. So um, again, just as an update, I, I appreciate it. For those that don't know, um, I switched positions at work, um, and uh, I'm in a helicopter now, uh, flying around, and uh, it's, uh, it's been extremely challenging, but it's also been a blessing to see just the Lord provide that daily portion that I needed to get through that day um, and and just uh, uh, I remember there was a couple times where I woke up it was Monday morning and I just unmotivated did not want to go uh, didn't feel good had a rough week the week before and I and I just told her I, I need something I, I just need something to get through this day um, and and I would walk in the door and it would be a, a whatever it is it'd be the the chief TFO calling me into his office telling me how uh, how I'm progressing and how things are going and just encouraging me or um, they would you know, give me have me sign a piece of paper saying that you've progressed and it was just that daily thing that I needed and uh, so again uh, I, I appreciate your prayers I, I still covet them as the training's not completed um, but I, again just from me, from Tori, from the kids, uh, thank you guys for praying um, last night we had a camp corporation meeting and uh, we were reminded of the the needs for camp um, and uh, please pray for camp uh... continue to pray uh... The, for the future of the camp uh... for the financial situation for the the leadership for the the board and also for workers uh... there's uh, very big holes up at camp uh... that need to be filled um, our god is is completely able and and we just need to, to lean on him for for his will so continue to pray for camp if you have any interest in becoming a member of the corporation uh the only obligation is you have to attend one meeting throughout the year that's it um and so that meeting was last night so the next meeting would be a year from now so if you if you'd like to uh, be on the board and just see or the corporation and just see what takes place where the money goes um everybody's welcome uh, men and women Uh, i think the only requirement is you need to be 18 years or older um, other than that, uh, you can be on the board. Uh, this morning, we're going to continue with our study in Galatians, so if you have your Bibles, please open to Galatians chapter 5. Um, I encourage you guys all, uh, Jason and uh, Sam do a great job updating, and Robert do a great job updating the messages every week, and uh, the, the messages um, are, are also available on a podcast. If you just go on to Claremont Bible Chapel uh, on the podcast app. Um, You can listen, and it's very systematic. It's been encouraging. It's been great for myself. Uh, I take the train into LA now, and uh, being able to listen to the messages on the train and uh, being caught up is is nice. And also being uh, teaching in Sunday school and not being able to be in here. Uh, It's just nice to be able to systematically go through a book, and um, we're going to continue that. Uh, This morning Uh, for those that perhaps haven't been with us through the study of Galatians uh, Galatians is an epistle. Uh, It's written by the Apostle Paul to the churches of Galatia Um, This is a a region that would have been a like a Gentile region a a pagan region Uh, There's two schools of thought as to what region they're talking about either the northern or the southern towns of Galatia Um, But some people think that uh, it's it's the, the Celtish background Um, Some also think that it perhaps is the German background. Um, So you just think of that region of the country and what they would have been dealing with, what the Apostle Paul, what Barnabas would have been dealing with as they come in and preach the gospel. Uh, There would have been paganism uh, that would be rampant, uh, philosophy and other things that they'd have to overcome as they preach the gospel. This this region was also controlled by the Romans. Um, It was a Roman region, so there was a... um, a hint of that uh, philosophy and, and government in that area, and um, this church, the the churches in Galatia were established and then visited multiple times by the Apostle Paul. Um, the we opened this book very well with with Ken Daughters and he and he gave us kind of an overview of of what took place. But uh, if you need to look back, just look through Acts, uh, starting in uh, verse 13, or I mean chapter 13, and and you work your way through. Um, what happened, what took place, what were some of the obstacles that were happening. Uh, in the first missionary trip, Paul and Barnabas go through, and, and churches are established. The second missionary trip, it's Paul and Timothy that come through, and they help to strengthen and encourage and build up. And then finally, uh, this third missionary trip, uh, Paul bring, uh, comes through, and, he, and he's addressing attacks that are taking place, attacks on the gospel. And that's why this letter is being written, uh, because of these problems that have occurred and have come in to the church, uh, the first problem that was being um, or, or issue that was being addressed in in this in this letter is the attack on Paul's apostleship, his apostolic authority. Um, this is dealt with in chapters one and two, um, and it's and it's great if you attack the leader, if you weaken his credibility, then everything he says afterwards means nothing to the people. So they would say. Paul is, is, is a heretic. Um, he's telling you one thing. He's speaking out of both sides of his mouth. He's still preaching circumcision. Well, then they're, they're thinking, wow, if he's still preaching circumcision, it, it must be true. It must, we must need to be circumcised in order to be saved. So Paul, in, in chapters one and two, is defending his apostleship and his authority. Um, chapters three and four um, that were taken up is, is this, another gospel that is being presented. Um, Paul is shocked he, he's dumbfounded that he have, they've have turned so quickly from the gospel that they've heard um, and it's not another gospel meaning you have options it's it's a tainted gospel it's it's a false doctrine it's a false teaching this gospel is a gospel of faith plus works um, Faith plus works for salvation not only do you need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved you also need to be circumcised you also need to keep the law and we, we would like to think that this was only a first-century problem um, in the early church, but this has grown legs over the centuries, and it has permeated uh, every part of Christendom. Uh, we have uh, doct- or, uh, different parts of Christendom that preach that you not only need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, but you have to be baptized, and you have to be baptized into a church. And you have to, and you have to, and they just they keep adding and adding and adding. And, and you have to do these things in order to be saved. It's faith plus works. And what we're going to look at today is if, if we can add anything to the work of Christ on the cross, if we can add any merit to our stature or our favor before God, then what is Christ doing on the cross? What is Christ doing on the cross? Um, this is what Paul says. If, if you can save yourself by your works, then Christ died in vain. Um, then you can just earn your way to heaven. And as we're going to see this morning, you can't. Um, not only was the, the, the works preached to earn your salvation, but now uh, another form of works was preached that you need to come, uh, do these works in order to earn favor with God, in order to be sanctified, to be a good Christian. You needed to do these things. Okay, yeah, you were saved by grace through faith, great. But now you got to keep the law in order to be a Christian. And this is what the Apostle Paul addresses in chapters five and six, and we're gonna look at this morning, and again this evening. Um, not only uh, did the law, that this was the problem that was being preached, that the law uh, helped um, the Christian to live a good life, but that if you don't have the law, and this is their spin on it, if you if you don't have the law, if there are no rules, then Christians will just be lawless. They'll just be running around doing whatever they want. They won't, they, they won't. There will be no order. It will be lawlessness. And so they say, you have to keep the law. You have to keep the law to be a good Christian, and you have to keep the law because without it, there would be lawlessness. And this is the problem that Paul is addressing, these false teachings that have come in uh, to, the, to the church. Um, we ended last week, and if we'll look for a second. Um, Mark finished last Sunday night on this idea, this picture of Hagar and Sarah. And uh, what Paul says here is he says that this is an allegory. We have to be very careful when we interpret Scripture. Um, we have to be very careful when we study the Scripture. Um, hermeneutics, it's a, it's a big word. But it just means to, to uh, the principle and task and of, of understanding the meaning of the Bible. What does it mean? What is God saying to us? Um, the, the exegesis, and this is all, you can thank Steve Price for all this, um, the exegesis is, is determining the meaning of the Biblical text in its proper historical context and literary meaning. So what is God saying to the people that he's writing to? Um, and, and the Bible, he didn't make it hard. This isn't some cryptic message that we have to get a decoder ring to figure out. He makes it simple. He says, Paul says, this is an allegory. This is an allegory. So do we take this and go, okay, well, then everything is an allegory. We just allegorize the whole Bible. You can't do that because then there's no, there's no compass. There's no, then whatever you decide that meaning is, that's what you decide. But Paul is very clear. When he, when he says it's an allegory, um, he, he, when it, he uses an allegory, he says it plainly. This is an allegory. And what he's doing is he's taking a picture of Hagar and Sarah. And, and we don't have time this morning to look at it. But, um, and and Mark, Mark touched on it last week. But it's this idea of a slave woman versus a free woman. A woman that, that, that was a slave to Sarah and Abraham, who was used to um, push along God's promise of Abraham getting a son. Um, you remember that God promised uh, Abraham that he would be a, a blessing to all nations, that he'd be fruitful, that he would multiply, that you, could, you couldn't number the, the, the amount of children that he was gonna have. and. They're both Sarah and Abraham are both looking at their watch, and time's ticking, and Sarah is now past the age of having children, and she goes, well, God must have meant that we need to help him out. And so, Sarah, uh, Hagar, and Abraham get together, and Ishmael is born. Um, and this is that picture of slavery, that bondage, that something that, 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 that is outside of, of God's promise. Whereas God had already promised Sarah that she was gonna have a son, and had they just waited, then everything would have been okay. But as we see, this, 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 these two sons have grown up and these two um, nations have grown up. And it's just been nothing but turmoil and war um, from the very beginning. Um, and so this picture of of law or slavery versus grace and freedom. Sarah was the promised uh, uh, she, it was through her that this promise was going to be given, and this is the grace that God is, is, is um, giving to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, to, to look back, we'll just read the last verse of, of uh, chapter 4, and then we'll look at our portion this morning. Chapter 4 and verse 31. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free, Chapter 5, verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will have no other mind But he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. And I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. So as we open up this this, this chapter, it, it's, it's a charge. It's a command, it's an encouragement by Paul to stand fast in, in the liberty by which Christ has made you free. Stand fast. Um, For those of us that have gone hunting with Larry Price in his accent, just picture it, but he would always yell out, hold the line, hold the line. Um, And this is because doves are flying by and we don't want them to get through. We want to take them out and hold the line, stand fast, hold your ground. Um, The the high schoolers and and, uh, and I will be going to the beach in a couple weeks for a camping trip. And for any of us that have ever been to the beach and stood in the break, um, have you ever just tried to stand there and not get knocked over? Um, I, uh, watching the Karate Kid, I remember he used to uh, stand and try to you know, balance in the, in the break. Um, stand firm, don't get knocked down, stand fast, hold the line. Um, at work we have these skirmish lines that we set up and uh, it's important to maintain the integrity of the line because uh, as we're pushing crowds, if there's a hole or if there's a gap or if one, one person moved in front of the other person, then the the crowd can get through, and then they can get behind us, and then then we're in bad shape. Paul's saying, hold the line. Stand fast. Don't let any of this false doctrine or teaching through. Stand fast in the liberty by which Christ has made you free. Um, Stand fast. Um, You're not free as long as your conscience has a fear of death or punishment. This is what the law brings. Um, we all have been in those situations where we're driving down the street and we look in our rearview mirror and then there's a cop behind us. All right? I- I'm a cop and I still get that feeling. I had it just yesterday. Um, and I'm like, oh, you know, I think I need to smog the truck. I-, I know I paid the registration, but I don't know if I put the sticker on. Like All these things are going through my mind. Like I'm, fe- I'm fearful, right? That's what the law brings. It brings fear. And you're-, you're in bondage if you're under that fear. Christ has made you free. He's saved you from that. He's rescued you from that. Stand fast in that. Stand firm. Hold the line. Um, The pardon, the freedom, means emancipation. You're you're done. You're no longer under this. And now we have a different motivation. And we're going to look at that this morning, a different motivation. Um, We've all been in situations where we work in order to earn favor or earn Love. love. We, we do things, you know, um, sometimes perhaps I'll want to get in good graces with the wife and stop by Trader Joe's and pick up some flowers, right? I do things, you know, and do I do it to earn love or do I do it because I love? That's the difference. Um, under law, you do things in order to earn favor with God, but under grace, under this freedom that we have, we do and keep the law, obey the law, or obedient to Christ, because we love Him. Okay, we're not going to murder, we're not going to steal, we're not going to cheat, we're not going to um, backbite or slander our neighbor because we love the Lord Jesus, and we're supposed to love our neighbor. That's the motivation. It's a different motivation to have a motive from without, or to have a motive from within. The law is from without. The motive to serve Christ is from within. Um, and and the law guides by fear. Or, and, and grace is an attraction by affection. We're attracted to him, and we want to serve him. We want to um, obey him because of our love. And, he, and Paul says, stand fast in the liberty. And he says, don't be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Um, the yoke, this idea of this, this um, farm piece of farming equipment that would have gone around uh, the, the cow or the oxen to, to pull the... Um, the plow through the field, it's this yoke, it's heavy, it's burdensome. Why would you want to go back under that? You're free. Like you're free. Like you know, uh, Mark goes and picks somebody up and and throws him into jail. And then you go back and you, and you run the warrant, and the warrant comes back that it's it's been canceled. And you go and you, you go to the guy and you open the door, and you say, there's a mistake in the system. It's a, it's a glitch. Your warrant has been taken care of. And the guy's like, ah, I'm good. Like, I'm just going to hang out. Like, why? Why would you do that? This is what Paul's saying. A yoke of bondage. Um, this was a, a, something that was addressed at the Jerusalem Council, Acts chapter 15. Um, there's this, this teaching that was going through the whole area that said, you need to be circumcised in order to be saved. Um, you needed this mark of of, of the old covenant uh, to be in order to be saved, in order to earn favor with God, and um, it was false. It was false teaching. It was it was addressed by the apostles. It was broadcast out that this is a false teaching, and Paul is doing so here. Um, <clears throat> why is the law looked at as a as a yoke? It's because it, it, it's confining and constraining. It's a bunch. It's a list of do's and don'ts, and It carries with it punishment. You're going to get punished. Like, if you do this, bad things are going to happen. Um, And what the law also does is it puts the one enforcing the law into power. Think about this. You have these bunch of Gentiles. They didn't grow up in this, right? They're they're, they're a bunch of pagans. And and now they have the Judaizers coming in and saying, great, grace by faith. Good job. You're saved but you need to be circumcised because that's what the fathers did. And, and let me show you in, in, in the Torah, in the Old Testament, I'll show you that Abraham, or the father of faith, he, he was circumcised. In fact, Paul's preaching this too. It's okay. And now what do you do? Well, I, am I doing it right? Well, son, c- come to me and I'll, I'll tell you if you're doing it right. I'll, I'll show you, right? It puts that person in power, the one that's enforcing the law into power. And also the law, as we see in the time of Christ, it brings about pride. It's this outward display of I'm doing everything right. I, I, I'm, I'm circumcised. I'm following the feasts. I'm doing the covenant covenants. I'm, I'm doing everything. I'm, I'm, I'm following everything that you're telling me to do. And now there's this pride. There's this outward show of pride. This is that yoke. This is that bondage that is that is terrible, and it, and it brings people down. Um, <clears throat> Paul says in, in Ephesians 2:8-9, it's by grace you've been saved through faith, and it's not of yourselves. That's the humility in the grace. It's not of yourself. Grace says, I can't do this, only God can do this. I can't, I can't save myself, only God can. Not of yourself, lest what? Any man should boast. There's the pride. If you can earn favor with God, it's, it's Lord, look look at all these things I've done. I deserve to go to heaven. How foolish, and, and how wrong. It's a false teaching. And Paul is, is, is here to, to, to correct this, that you cannot earn favor with God. It is simply by faith, uh, by grace, through faith. So Paul goes on in, in, in verse 2. He says, Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. Now, he, he's not talking about a surgical procedure here. Um, what he's talking about is if you go forward with this, if you go forward with this attempt to, to save yourselves, by, by keeping the law, Christ profits you nothing. Again, like our opening question, if, if you can earn favor, if you can earn your way to heaven, what is Christ doing on the cross? He had to go to the cross. He had to pay for your sin because you can't pay for your sin. You can't keep the law. None of us can. In, in, this, in this portion, if you become circumcised, you are exchanging law for Christ. You're exchanging that, that yoke of bondage for the freedom and the liberty that comes with Christ. Um, many, many religions have this. If you, you need to do blank in order to be saved. Fill in the blank. You need to go on a missions trip. You need to come to this. You need to make this journey to this special place. And you need to, and you need to, and you need to. The gospel says you can't, but Christ can. The, the The religions of this world, there's there's two types. There's the ones that say do, and then there's what the Bible says, that it's done. That the work of salvation is complete. That all you have to do, and it, we'll look at it shortly, is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ in order to be saved. Believe in what he did for you on the cross. Um, we'll, let's look real quickly to Galatians 2.21. It says... I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness comes through the law as we've said this morning then Christ died in vain. If righteousness, if justification, if sanctification comes through the, your ability to keep the law, which you can't, we know that, then Christ wasted his time on the cross. He died in vain. And then he says this, he goes a little bit further. He says, And I testify to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have to keep it all. If you want to be circumcised, you want to follow this, you think this is it, okay, you need to keep the whole law. And this is what James says too um, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he's guilty of all. Many, many think that the law is like a rope, right? And we've all seen ropes that have been frayed and and some of us have tied things down to the truck uh, the beds of our trucks with a frayed rope and you're just kind of hoping and grinning and bearing that it's going to hold down the freeway Um, and it and, and that it's all these loose strands that's not the case the law is like a chain and if you're hanging over a fire dangling over a fire how many links of that chain need to break in order for you to fall in the fire just one if you break one law you're guilty of all um, so, Paul says, here, you want to keep the law, you, then that's fine, but you have to keep the whole law. And I've brought a dem, uh, illustration, this is the California Penal Code book. <laughs> These are all the laws, and this isn't exhaustive, this is just the, the cliff note version of this. Um, this is from 2007. Um, we have way more laws now, and the print has gotten a lot smaller, so the book is a lot thicker. So this is the California penal code. This doesn't include the municipal code of the cities that you live in, Rancho Gumonga or Claremont or wherever, and it doesn't include the federal laws, which, if you can imagine, would just take us up to the ceiling. This is just the penal code. This is just all the bad stuff. This is the stuff that you go to jail for. Here is the vehicle code book. Now, a lot of you guys think I'm, good, I'm a good driver. Like I. If it says this is the speed limit, I'm gonna follow the speed limit. Um, I, I use my blinker, um, my tags are up to date. If, if you give Mark and I just a couple minutes driving behind you, we'll find something wrong. <laughs> like you, you'll break the law at some point. There's no way that you would know all of these, right? There's, there, it's impossible. So <clears throat> for somebody to say, okay, I'll keep the whole law. Well, there's 613 commandments in the Old Testament. 613. So if you want to keep them all, and, and, and I, I've heard stories of, of preachers that, that will give the gospel and, and they'll talk to people and say, you know, how do you get saved? And they say, oh, you just got to be a good person. And well, how do you do that? Well, you just got to obey the Ten Commandments. And they say, oh, great. Tell me what the Ten Commandments are. And they'll usually get about seven. Like six or seven is like the average. They can't even tell you all ten. You want to keep the whole law? And then in Romans, it tells us that we're supposed to obey the rules and the laws of the land, right? We're supposed to obey those who rule or authority over us. Good luck. This is it, right? This is the law. If you want to keep that, you're a debtor to it. You have to keep all of it. (sighs) If you want to do it this way, if you want to earn your way to God... Paul says this, and he's very, he's very clear with this. In verse 4, he says, You have become estranged from Christ. You have become alienated or severed from Christ. Um, you uh, who seek or who attempt to be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. Now, this verse has a little bit of controversy behind it, um, some will use this as their defense or their, their springboard to say that you can lose your salvation um, Because it says here that you've fallen from grace um, You've fallen or you've been become alienated from Christ Well, we know that if you take this and you uh, lay it over all the other scriptures that talk about eternal security and, and, and God's plan of salvation, we know that that is false. That is not true You cannot lose your salvation um, One of the, the greatest gospel verses we all know and love, um, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so that's all-inclusive, God so loved the world, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, that's, and, and, and it says at the end, but have, and that word have is present active tense, meaning you have it right now. Shall not perish but have everlasting life if you can lose your salvation then that mean spiritually then that means you can be unborn physically it's impossible it's impossible once you're born you're born you are, you are born you are a, a son or daughter of your father and mother you are born you cannot lose your salvation in the same sense you've been born again once saved always saved. You have everlasting life. So now, what is he saying here? Who's he talking to? Well, many many commentators believe that he's talking to those who are still outside of Christ, who have not yet put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, but are trying to earn their way. They're, they're Christian by name only. They're, yes, I'm a Christian. Okay? How did you get saved? Well, I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and I got circumcised. And he says, What Paul's saying here in in verse 4, he says, you cannot have two saviors. There's only one. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. The the verse doesn't say, for God so loved the world that uh, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes and gets baptized and gets circumcised and gets... He doesn't say that. He says, whosoever believes in him shall have everlasting life. Verse 5, it says, For we, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. Notice how he switches from you to we. Um, We hope. We hope for, uh, we have this hope of righteousness. Now, this word hope has been um, butchered a little bit by the English language. Um, We think of hope and, and, uh, you know, I tell the kids, hey, there's a possibility we might go to Disneyland next week, Right? So there's there's hope in their heart. I said might, right? We, we all know that things happen. People get sick. It might not happen. And like I told you in my last message, message I'm a I'm a big letter downer, right? I just I, sometimes I fall through. Like I just can't, you know, whatever. I get stuck at work or whatever. And it's it's a hope so kind of hope. This is not the hope that he's, he's talking about here. This hope is the same hope that Paul, uh, uh, Paul, the that the writer to the Hebrews says in chapter in chapter six. He says. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul. This is the hope that we have. It's an anchor. And it says, both sure and steadfast, it's immovable. There's nothing that will take this hope away, which which enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner, the Lord Jesus Christ, has entered for us. That's the hope that we have. It's going to happen. This is the hope he's talking about here. For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of the righteousness by faith. One day, all of the sin is going to be gone. As you sit here right now, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you are a born-again Christian, you are righteous before God. He sees you through his Son. He sees you through his blood. And you are righteous. But we all know that we're sinning daily. Just follow me home today and you will see that I'll I'll do something. I'll fall short in some way. I'm going to sin. But there's going to be a day... When we're going to be perfect, when that righteousness will be, we will be perfect. We will be before him, like we sang at the close of this meeting this morning. We will be before him in all of his glory, and we will have glory that is given to us by him, and we will be perfect. That's the righteousness that we have to look forward to. This is the hope, but you can't earn it. You can't earn it. This isn't a merit system. It's Christ. And him crucified. Uh, Spurgeon says, we cannot approach God by anything we have or know or do. It's Christ crucified and he alone that must lift us up to God. That's how we get there. That's how we are sanctified and justified and declared righteous. Um, so, as, as we push forward here, in verse six, he says, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. It's a Even playing field now. Before, it used to be through the Jewish, uh, through the children of Israel, that people would come to God. They were the light. They were the beacon in the wilderness. They were the ones that you would funnel your way through. If you wanted to get to God, you had to go through the temple. You had to go through the law. He says, everything is even now. It doesn't matter if you're circumcised, if you're uncircumcised, it's an even even playing field. And he says this for in Christ, neither uncircumcision nor Circumcision or uncircumcision avails anything, but this is what he cares about. This is what Christ looks at. But faith working through love. Faith working through love. This is the transition he has. This is the, the, the transitioning point that Paul is talking about. From, from keeping the law out of duty, out, of, out of, of force and fear, to fulfilling the law out of love for our Savior. Because of the grace, because of the liberty, because of the freedom that we have. We're not under this bondage anymore. He gives us this ability to love him. And in so doing, allowing our faith to work through love. Paul says he ran well in verse 7. Who, notice he says it's who, not what. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? You think of this runner, and, and we have some runners in the room, and, and Jeff is a big runner, and, and you think about, say, like the mile uh, on the Olympic track, and, and you, you, four laps, and you're done. What's the, what's the best point on that track? It's the inside line, right? It's the inside lane. That's where you want. That's where the, the, the fast people are. Well, what if you're in full stride, and then all of a sudden, somebody cuts you off and starts to slow down? We've all done that on, seen that on the freeway. We're trying to get up to our exit. Somebody cuts and just slows down, right? Who hindered you? Who, who kept you from running well? Who kept you from obeying the truth? It's a person. There was a person that was doing this, or persons that were bringing this false truth in. This persuasion, he says in verse 8, does not come from him who calls you. This is not from God. This is a false teaching. This is a false doctrine. And he needs to be treated so. That's why he says in verse 9, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. I am not a baker. Um Torrey's great. She's really good. Um, she, she has, her, like, she, her mom's really good. Tori's really good. Um, I'm terrible. If you guys have all seen that I Love Lucy episode where her and Ethel are, are making bread in the kitchen, and they put it in the oven, and then all of a sudden this giant, you know, bread comes. That'd be me, right? Not, I'm, I'm just bad. Um, it just takes a little bit of leaven to make that cake rise. Just a little bit of leaven. You think, wow, it, it's just, we're just talking about circumcision, Paul. Like, what, what's the big deal? He says, no, that little bit taints everything. You know, if I give you this pure, 100% pure glass of water and I just put one tiny microscopic drop of arsenic in it, would you still drink it? It's, it's just a little bit. Just a li- No, it ruins everything. It taints everything. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. A little bit of law, a little bit of works in the gospel Ruins the gospel. It's a false gospel. He says, I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will have no other mind, but he who troubles you shall bear this judgment, whoever he is. Paul says, I have confidence in you. Now, I don't have confidence in people, but I have confidence in the Lord working through people. And this is what Paul is saying here. He says, I am confident that God is going to fix this in your life. I am confident that God is going to change your mind about this gospel and he says and I brethren if I still preach circumcision why do I suffer persecution then the offense of the cross has ceased he says listen and this because this was the message that was going around Paul's preaching circumcision guys it's okay Paul's doing it and he goes listen if I'm preaching circumcision why am I in and out of prison why am I getting beaten why am I getting flogged Why why are all these bad things happening to me if I'm preaching circumcision the very thing that they they want they want me to do this. They want me to preach the law. They want me to preach all these things. He says, if I'm doing that, why am I being persecuted? Just think about it. And then he says, if I, if I preach this, then the offense of the cross, and, and what is the offense of the cross? The fact that it's free, that it's unmerited, that you can't earn it, that bothers people because people want to earn their way to heaven. We have this, you know, people don't like free stuff. You know, like if I, when you think of free, you think cheap right, that's usually what comes to mind, you you think, you know, whatever, wherever it came from, it just, it it feels cheap, it probably is cheap, it's free. The gospel is not cheap, the gospel costs God everything, the gospel is free because if it costs you something, you can't afford it, it would take you all of eternity to pay for your sin, it's not free, and it costs God something. And the only reason why it is free is because he has to give it to you because you can't earn it. You can't pay for it. It would take you an eternity to pay for it. He says, if I still preach circumcision, then, then the, the, the offense of the cross is gone. Um, and then he, he, gets, he gets a little graphic. Um, he says that I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. Um, no mincing words, Paul's very, very serious about this. Um, he says that I wish that these people that were saying this would castrate themselves. Now this has maybe a double meaning to it, or a little bit of a hidden meaning to it, because um, in this region, there was a, there was a temple, and I'm going to butcher this name, but Cy- Cybele, Cybele, something C-Y-B-E-L-E, it was a, a goddess, and the way to appease this goddess, for the, the priest would castrate themselves. And that was, that was how they would appease or earn favor with this God. He said, listen, I wish that these guys would do that very thing. Cut themselves off. Mutilate themselves. This is how serious Paul is about this. We move on uh, in, in verse uh, 13. He says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh but through love serve one another. So we have, we have Christian liberty opening up this portion in verse 1. Um, we have liberty, not law, verses 2 through 12. And then here we have liberty, not lawlessness. Just because we're not under the law doesn't mean we get to do whatever we want. Paul, as, as uh, Ken Daughter said very well, um, the book of Romans is like Galatians on steroids. It just it, it expounds it very much so. And and Paul says this throughout Romans all the time. He says, should I sin that grace may abound? Do, Do I have a license to sin? Do I have this fire insurance card that I can wave around? I can do whatever I want because my sin's paid for. Absolutely not. He says, do not use your liberty as a license or an opportunity for the flesh, but... What, get, get this, you're, not, you're no longer under this bondage of slavery, uh, of, of the law, right? That, that, that bondage is gone. You don't have to serve the law anymore. But now you've been free to what? To serve one another. You've been free to serve. Now you can do it out of a heart of love and thanks to your Heavenly Father. Through love, serve one another. Faith working through love in verse 6. And then through love, serve one another free from the bondage of the law. Um, the love, love fulfills the law. You'll remember that Jesus was approached by a lawyer, and the lawyer said, what is the greatest commandment? And he's trying to stump Jesus. He's saying, you know what, we'll, we'll get him on something. And Jesus says, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. On these two hang all the law and prophets. And, and they loved it. Like, that was a great answer. Like, they, they were stumped. They couldn't do anything about that, because that is true. It's it absolutely true. Through love, serve one another. If, if, if I love my neighbor, I'm not going to steal from them. If I love my neighbor, I'm not going to covet the things that they have. I'm not going to backbite. I'm not going to slander. I'm not going to, as we see in a few verses, bite and devour them. I'm going to love them. I'm going to love them because God loves them, and I love God, and he loves me. And he wants me to love them, and it's this beautiful relationship that we can have now, no longer because of force or fear, but out of love. We can serve one another. Um, there's a story of a, of a woman, and we'll close with this. Um, there's a story of a woman, and she is uh, she's married, and she's married to a very, very harsh husband, um, very abusive. Um, physically, verbally, emotionally, and he had a list. And on this list was all the things that his wife had to do for him. Make sure that the dry cleanings picked up, make sure that dinner's on the table when I get home, make sure this and this and this and this. And it was this long list and his, his wife was miserable, just miserable, but she did it, she did it. Well, this, this man got sick and he died. And it was almost a relief the wife because it was so hard. and then she met another man, a man that loved her um, unconditionally um, and because um, because he loved her, she did everything for him. She loved him so much. Well one day, this, this new husband, the loving husband, came across that list that was written out. And, it, and when he looked at the list, he noticed that his wife did everything for him that was on that list. What changed? It was love. She, now she wanted to serve him because she loved him. And that's the way that we get to serve and love the Lord. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. We get to obey him because we love him and because we want to do these things. Romans 13, 10 says that love is the fulfillment of the law. It fulfills the law. The last verse that we get to is, but if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. When there's legalism, when there's law keeping, there's fighting and dissension and backbiting and slander and well i'm in this camp and you're in that camp and there's things that are hurled across the aisle and they're biting each other they're devouring one another, and it says that they're consumed by one another have you ever been in a fight with somebody and all you can think about is that person you can't get through the day and every time you see them you just can't you can't help but think about them and and what you're doing is 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 you're growing bitter you're bitter towards that person. You're being consumed by that person. It's as if you're drinking poison, hoping they'll die. This is what's happening here. Because of this legalism, because of this law-keeping, they're biting, they're devouring one another. And Paul says, you're free from that. Love one another. Fulfill the law because of love. Sam's going to take us through tonight how we're able to do so. It's hard. It's hard. It's not easy, but God gives us His Spirit to empower us to do these things, to love each other, to love Him, and to serve one another. Let's pray, Heavenly Father. Um, we want to thank you for um, for Your Son and His. His unconditional love for us—a love that that motivates us to love Him in return. A love that that allows us to um, to obey Him and to serve Him. And Father, we just pray that You would help us uh, to guard against any false teaching that would come in uh, to this assembly, into our homes, and Lord, that You would allow us uh, as. The apostle has said to, to love, and through love, serve one another. Lord, give us, uh, give us your, um, your help in this. Lord, we pray and ask your blessing on the rest of this evening and 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 today. Lord, we pray this in Jesus name. Amen.